This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. We share a testimony. Oh, I've been saved. Saved from what? Many Christians don't even understand the definition or the theology behind it. Saved from what? Saved from going to hell? To go to heaven? No. Saved from Satan and his demons? No. Saved from your enemies in the world? No. We are saved from the wrath of God. Why? Because I deserve the wrath of God. But his son, Jesus Christ, took my place. Sin always has to be paid for. The word tells us that the payment for our sin is death. However, the good news is that Jesus willingly, graciously, and mercifully took the penalty for us when he died on the cross. He took the wrath of God upon himself so that we could have a chance to be reunited with him in eternity should we choose to accept his sacrifice. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will help us understand God's grace when we deserved wrath. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I love those verses. Lacking in nothing. Do you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, want to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing? I'm not saying perfect in you being a perfect person. There's only one Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about being in that place where you're at peace with God, where you are growing in your faith, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to be there. And I continue to try to work in being there. And if you want to be in that place when trials and tribulations come, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't do things your way because you've been there and done that. You, you probably make it worse. Don't go it alone. And, and more importantly, don't blame God. The world, I, I, I see it in the world. They don't believe in God. There's a lot of atheists. When bad things happen, they blame God. I say, wait a minute. Do you know God? Why are you blaming him? Why has it got to be him all the time? You know, if somebody ever blamed you for something? I was the youngest, well, for a season in my family, and I was always blamed for it. All right, I did it, but I was blamed for it. <laughs> you know, but, you know, can you imagine people blaming God for everything? We're not understanding who God is. When God has his best interest for you, and when God looks out for you, perseverance, character, and character hope. And here it is, verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. In other words, this hope that we have in Christ will not put us to shame. This hope that we have in Christ will not put us to shame. And that is because it is not like the hope that the world has. The hope that the world has, their hope is a hope that's an empty hope. They desire for something to come true. Our hope is deep-rooted faith, knowing that it will come true. It will come true. 
That's the difference between our hope and the hope of the world. What is their hope in? What is your hope in? Oh, uh, I hope, you know, I do well. I live longer and, you know, my portfolio and my stocks and the market's going well. My 401k plan. No, my hope is not in those material things. My hope is in Christ. And what's the end result? Because our hope is in Christ, we will be with him. We will be with him forever. So that's the difference with your hope. The hope, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God. And here's the blessing, this blessing number five. This is the benefit of being justified by faith, by putting your trust in Christ. He says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We get to enjoy the love of God. I don't know if you ever thought of that. As believers in Christ, you get to enjoy and appreciate the love of God. If only the world knew, if only the world knew how much God loves them. I didn't understand that love until the cross until I fully understood what the cross was all about. That conviction by the Holy Spirit pouring in my heart that led me to the cross and said, this Jesus, the Son of God, came here to die for me. That's how much he loves me. And once I have began that relationship with him through the Holy Spirit, and that's blessing number six, the blessing that gives, that gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that works in us, The Holy Spirit is not in everyone because there are people who reject God. If you reject God, how would you understand God? How would you have a relationship with God? One accepts Christ as Lord and personal Savior. We've been justified by faith. All these blessings. We understand the joy of God. We enjoy the, the, the love of God. We appreciate the love of God. We're so grateful for his unconditional agape love. Unconditional. Not because I'm so, you know, cute, but because he loves me. And we have the Holy Spirit, and that is the inner experience of this love through the Holy Spirit that sustains us and gives us character as we go through our tribulations. Incredible blessings. Verse 6, he says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were still without strength, when we were at war against God before the cross, before we accepted him as Lord, a person, and Savior, before we came to the cross, we were without strength. In other words, we were weak. We were ungodly, unrighteous sinners. And it says, in due time, Christ died for us. In due time, Christ died for us. Now, here's the thing. Jesus did not die for good people. Jesus didn't die for good people. Oh, there's a lot of nice people down there. I'm going to go die for them. No, Christ came to die for bad people, and that's all of us because everyone is bad. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. There's no righteous. No, not one. We've been into God's courtroom. You know that. You've been there. Paul proved it. The pagan Gentiles, they are without excuse. The Jews who had the law, the moralists, the people who are morally right, I'm good, I'm a good person because I do things that are good. They all sin, all sin, all fall short of the glory of God. You and I were without strength 
And here, when it speaks here without strength, is a spiritual condition. It's a spiritual condition. God is spirit. God is not flesh. We can't approach God in the flesh. We can only approach God and be right with God in the spirit. So what he's saying, we were without strength, that is a spiritual condition. And interestingly, when I looked at this in the Greek, it's one word, not two words. Without strength is one word. In the Greek, it's astenon. Astenon. It's a medical term. Without strength is one word in Greek, and it means to be sick unto death. Sick unto death. So we were spiritually sick unto death. Physically, you may be okay. Physically, uh, you may have that monthly membership to Planet Fitness. That is not going to help you. Because the Bible talks about, yeah, we put all that you know, money and we put our whole life into working the body, but it's only profits a little. But we were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. It's a medical term. And how true that is. Because what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, you know this, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. Sin will lead us to death. And so before the cross, we were without strength. We had a spiritual condition of being sick unto death. But in due time, I love those, that, those three words, in due time, the right time, Christ died for us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, but when the fullness of that time had come, God sent forth his son. He sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. His timing was perfect. You see, God is not subject to time, but he created time. He's never a moment too soon, not a moment too late. Not a minute too soon, a moment too late. He's always on time. God knew when to send his son, Jesus Christ. It was planned from Genesis, the first messianic prophecy. In Genesis chapter 3, when the Lord cursed the serpent, he said, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. Her women do not have seeds. The her there is Israel. I'll put enmity between you, Satan, and her seed will bring forth the Messiah, the children of Israel. And that already took place. Verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. So we're talking about who would die for who? Who would we die for? In other words, no one would be willing to die for a nice person. Who's willing to die for a nice person? Let's say someone you don't even know. Are you willing to do that? Now, there are some, very, very few, who are willing to die for someone they love, like a family member. But who would die for a murderer? Who would die for an adulteress? Who would die for a sinful individual, a criminal? Who would die? He says in verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing love. While we were without strength, we were filthy, we were weak, we were ungodly, unrighteous sinners, sinners uh, full of murder, adulterous heart, enemies with God. He died for us. That's why Jesus said, hey, you know, don't hate your enemies. Pray for them. What? That goes against our nature. Pray for them. Love them. And I guarantee you this, that's the key 
to being at peace with even those that are against you. I've learned that. When you have trouble with an individual, start praying for them. Before you know it, you're falling in love with that person. You're caring for that person. Because you can't tell God, God, can you have an anvil fall in his head? You know God's not going to answer that, right? Say, Lord, help me to love him. Lord, bless him. Before you know it, you'll be just like Christ. But you see, Christ did this. He demonstrated that for us. We were at war with God. But while we were sinners, he died for us. Christ died for people who had sinned, who were still sinning, who was going to sin in the future before his return. He has died for all. He died for the world. Christ didn't die uh, for us. He didn't die for you because you're so cute and so adorable. Maybe me. No, just kidding. He didn't die for good people. We already went through that. He didn't die because you're adorable. He died because he loved you. It's an unconditional word that love is agape love, unconditional. Not I love you if or I love you when or I love you because. That's conditional. I love you, period. That's an agape love. That's an agape love. And that's the amazing love that God has demonstrated when he sent his son to die on the cross. That's an amazing love. And that love is demonstrated when we look at the cross. And sometimes we look at the cross, you know, what was the amazing love? Christ died on the cross. No, it's who Christ died for. That's amazing love. Why he went to the cross? Yes, that in itself, it's amazing. That in itself speaks louder than words. That in itself is something that you and I would never understand. That God's only son left his throne in heaven to be born in the major to later on to die for you. Yes, but just think about the fact that he died for you and I, for unrighteous people. That's amazing love. Is who he died for. While we were still sinners, he died for us. He died for undeserving sinners. Now that's love. That is why this world, we are so, we, ha, we don't even understand the definition of love. This world has destroyed the definition of love. We don't understand what love is. We don't. I can't understand the love of God when I look at the cross and why he would die for me. I don't understand why. To this day, 2,000 years, there are Christians who believe in that and have, their lives have changed. There is hope. There's no emptiness in their lives because they experienced the love of Christ in the cross. I would never understand it. Never, ever will. Because all the love we see is distorted. It's unsatisfying. It's disappointing. It betrays us. But the love of God never will. It's unconditional. Whenever you wonder as to how much God loves you, look at the cross. Verse 9. He says, much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. So the benefit of being justified by faith is this, that we've been saved from the wrath through him, through his son, Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because it is the wrath that, it is sin that deserved the wrath of God. And we've been saved from that wrath. When we share a testimony, oh, I've been saved. 
Safe from what? Many Christians don't even understand the definition or the theology behind it. Safe from what? Safe from going to hell? To go to heaven? No. Safe from Satan and his demons? No. Safe from your enemies in the world? No. We are saved from the wrath of God. Why? Because I deserve the wrath of God. But his son, Jesus Christ, took my place. That is what being saved is all about. Being saved is someone to ask you, what do you mean by being saved? Saved from what? I mean saved by the wrath of God. For the wages of sin is death. And it's the wrath of God that is the judgment upon those who reject him and because of sin. Now listen, the wrath of God is far, far greater than the, even the thought of going to hell or going to hell. Going to hell is not greater than the wrath of God. We had demons. Remember when Jesus was there, he went to the other side of Galilee and he came across demons and says, are you here to torture us before time? They were afraid. He said, please, just, you know, you know cast us out from this individual. We're going to these pigs. They were afraid. They knew their time will be up one day. But they feared Jesus Christ. They feared the wrath of God. As a matter of fact, we will not ever understand grace until we understand the wrath of God. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor. We don't deserve to be saved. We've sinned against God. But it's God's grace. So we're not saved from hell. We're not saved from, you know, saying his name. We're saved from the wrath of God. And it's not God's desire, not God's desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That tells, uh, Peter tells that, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God forbid that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. But God's not going to force anyone to love him either. Many of you have been in a matrimony. You've been married. Some of you... You know, you got over your honeymoon and that's it. You know, you, you don't love each other. I hope you do. <laughs> the romance is not there anymore. But when you first fell in love, were you forced to marry that person? Nope. It was a mutual agreement. You loved each other. You all goo eyes and, oh, I love you. You love you. You love you too. And you married. Nobody forced you to marry anyone. Not here in the West, at least in America, <laughs> you know. But you marry someone because you love them. God wants that relationship back. You know he loves you because he died on the cross. But now do you love him in return? He's not going to force us. He's giving us what? A free will. He's not going to force us to love him. We are saved from the wrath of God because of Jesus Christ. And that's a blessing in itself. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. He says, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. It wasn't his plan. We're not appointed to God's wrath because we have been what? Justified by faith. That's the blessing. Verse 10. For if we were enemies, we reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The word reconciled means united in fellowship with God. In verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul mentioned that we have peace with God 
You know, before, before the cross, we're enemies with God. Now we have peace with God, but also we reconcile with him. So enemies could be at battle, war each other, and they may cease to have peace, but they could still not be friends. Here we reconcile with God. In other words, it means that we were brought back into fellowship with God. Brought back? Wait a minute. That means we have fellowship with God? There in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, God's plan was to dwell with man forever. But because the fall of sin has separated us with God. Sin. And so we we have peace with God. We reconcile with God. Not only that, we have reconciled with God. We have confidence that Christ saved us from the wrath of God. But we also, in verse 11, says, And not only that, I love Paul. He just keeps piling on. Not only that, that's what he said in verse 3. Not only that, but wait, there's more. It's like one of those commercials. But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So the benefit, blessing, number eight, we rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice in God through our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's because of the work of the cross. We could reconcile with God. And because we could reconcile with God, what a peace. We could rejoice. I'm not an enemy with God anymore. I surrender my life to him. I reconciled with him. I could rejoice. Well, what an awesome flow of blessings just by being justified by faith. Simply by believing. Right? That's what we learned. That's the doctrine of justification by faith. Simply by believing. You're saved not because of what you do. You're saved not because of works, rules, religion, commandments. You're saved simply by believing. And it's not just a believing again. You know, James tells us, you believe? That's great. Even the demons believe and they tremble. So what's the difference between that believing? It's how you live your life and how you surrender your life. Right now... Wherever you are, whatever problems you're going through, whatever trials you're going through, we can truly rejoice in God. You can rejoice that he is God. He never changes. You can rejoice in that. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You can rejoice that he has provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ, which we are saved. You can rejoice that we have peace with God and we have access, unlimited access to God. You can rejoice You can rejoice that you were saved. Saved from what? From the wrath of God. You can rejoice that you will be eternally in heaven with him. All these blessings are yours, not for a price. All for simply believing. Justification by faith. So these blessings and these benefits, justification by faith, we have them all, right? We have all eight of these blessings Paul has been through. He has given us all these blessings. Apart from the law, apart from works, it's not what you do. You you don't have these blessings because you go to church every Sunday. You don't have these blessings because you pray five hours a day or read three chapters every hour. No, you're saved because of believing in God, just purely by grace. The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. 
We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on service times. Thanks, Tracy. That website once again is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm